Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Heather Monahan is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and founder of Boss in Heels. Having successfully climbed the corporate ladder for nearly 20 years, Heather is one of the few women to break the glass ceiling and claim her spot in the C-suite. Heather's new book, Confidence Creator, Shot to number one on Amazon's business biographies and business motivation list in the first week. It trumped Trump. I love it. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a little bit. And she also recently did her first TEDx, which is super cool. I have so many questions for it. I keep saying, Heather, when am I going to hear it? And she's like, not yet. It's not out. You have to wait for it. So I'm anxious to hear that one. And Heather is a confidence expert and currently working with Fortune 500 companies and professional sports teams to develop confidence in the workplace and on the court. We're certainly going to talk about that a little bit. I think that confidence is something that not all of us have outside, but it's inside all of us. We're going to talk about how to harness that. And she has a new podcast out called Creating Confidence that debuted on the top 200 shows on Apple Podcasts with one of my favorites, Gary Vee, as her first guest and already over a million downloads. That's insane. I got to figure out your, your tricks on that one. Hopefully this, this episode will get close to that. And on the personal side, she is a proud mom to her son, Dylan, and I want to talk about balancing life motherhood and all that kind of good stuff. Heather, thank you for joining me and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Good stuff here. So we already talked about that cool artwork behind you, but let's, you know, bring my tribe up to speed because I think some of them may have seen you all over LinkedIn. You're crushing it these days, which is incredible. Amazing guests on your show. But for those of us who do not know you, can you please give my tribe a little insight on who you are and what you do best? Sure. So I came up through corporate America. I was in sales my entire career and sales leadership. And I started with the Gala Winery. I then went to become an equity partner in a company at a very young age, my early 20s, and um, took a $25 million property, turned it into a $55 million property in under three years. We sold that, um, that company. And then I went to work for a publicly traded company in Florida and moved to, at the time, Naples. And I pitched myself for a job that didn't exist, VP of sales. I was awarded that position. I was promoted ex to executive vice president and then chief revenue officer over the company. And in my tenure there, over 14 years, I more than doubled the company's revenue. When I first got there, I believe it was 100 million. And when I left, it was over 200 million. And I won many awards and had been promoted three different times. And then I was fired when the CEO I had worked for for 14 years became ill. He elevated his daughter to replace him and she promptly fired me. So I'd never been fired before. I've only ever been promoted. And that was a really, that was two years ago. And that was a really tough time for me because I had associated a lot of my self-worth with my title, my paycheck and that safety. I thought safety wasn't really safety, but I used to think it was safety of being in corporate America and and whatnot. I also had a non-compete and a non-solicitation, so I couldn't 
hire any employees that had worked for me for the past 14 years. And I couldn't enter back into the industry I had been in for 20 years because I had signed my life away essentially when I took that chief revenue officer position. So I had that moment to go home after getting fired and, and think about, okay, I can't go back to do what I've always done, where I have my expertise, where I have my name and credibility. What do I do now? And Essentially, what I ended up doing was I wrote and self-published my first book, Confidence Creator. I ended up getting picked up as a professional speaker by APB Speakers, and I signed on with Podcast One back in May, and we launched a new show, Creating Confidence, and then I just gave my TEDx talk a, a couple of weeks wow. ago. So it's been, yeah, it's been a, a, busy, a busy couple of years, for sure. And it's so crazy, too. I mean, you and I have, have exchanged conversations offline, too, and we talk about how that that moment, one of the worst moments in our professional career, getting fired, and so many people have had that. And in that moment, right, it sucks, right? It, it's detrimental, you don't know what you're gonna do, you don't know what's gonna happen next, sometimes you don't know how you're gonna put food on the, on, on the table, but then you actually think about it now from where you're sitting, and you're like, holy shit, if that didn't happen, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in now. And you can't have that mindset when you're actually getting fired, but let's go, let's go back to that moment, right? And I ask this question a lot, did you feel it coming? Did you know it was going to come or did it come out of nowhere? Well, it's somewhat complex. This woman that ended up firing me had always hated me. You know, I believe that when someone sees you as a threat, you will always be their target. And that was essentially the relationship that she felt in regards to me. She was the chief financial officer. I was a chief revenue officer. So she was always looking for ways to cut people and and cut expense lines. I was looking for ways to grow revenue and add people. So we were always coming at things from a different perspective and different angle, essentially. She was an analytical person. I was a sales-driven person. So, you know, we had butted heads and I knew she didn't like me. We felt the tension. We we were just polar opposites. But however... I also, you know, she had seen what I had accomplished at the company. Obviously, she was the one that was tracking my numbers and reporting them. And so I didn't think in the back of my mind, I knew she didn't like me personally, you know, but I didn't think that she would ever want to fire me because, you know, then she'd be left bearing that burden of how do you fill that gap? Who replaces Heather? And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, how does she um, grow the business from there? So in some ways, I was shocked. In other ways, it had been a long time coming, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I understand that too. So talk about that moment when you actually heard those words that you were getting let go. Um, it, it's a terrible feeling. No one wants to have that. But like you knew inside that you, you had a bounce back. Where did you look for inside to find that energy and that power? Where, where was it inside of you? Well, what I did, I, I don't know how to answer that question, but what I did was I posted online that I had just been fired and that was the smartest thing I ever did. I literally had thousands of people reaching out to me saying, how can I help you? You're not alone. I've been fired. Here's my story. You know, is there a person I can connect you to? And then Froggy from the Elvis Duran show tweeted at me, how can I help you, Heather? I want to help you. And I said, get me on the Elvis show. Community is amazing. Him getting me on that show is the entire reason why I ended up writing my book. And so, you know, all these different steps occurred and I didn't know where they were leading me, but they all definitely started with being vulnerable, telling the truth and letting people know I was struggling. And that really was a catalyst for all those next things to happen. And you hit on a key word there that I wanted to talk about is vulnerability. And it's especially hard when you got, when you get let go. And I remember, and you and I have exchanged, you know, we talked about my story with, with, with Gary Vee when I got let go from Boehner and it was about optics. Right, and it's like how much you want to put out to the world because it is it it hurts and it's embarrassing and you let people down. You know when you get fired, you know you 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 failed at what you got hired for. You you failed 
people that count on you and that's tough. But I know for me, once, once I was able to share that and, and explain my story to the world, everything opened up. And in your story is, is an amazing, amazing example of that, how everything opened up and people and opportunities started to come to you when you were just, you know, speaking your truth and, and speaking about what's really happening um, in the world. Now, let's talk about confidence. Is confidence something that you've always had, you know, throughout your life and your well, career? Or was that something Adam, let me, let me interject to something Please. that you said there. You were talking about failure and being embarrassed about getting fired. And I, it's important for people to know this. Number one, I did not feel like a failure. I did not let anyone down. I had done an exceptional job in that role. Okay. And I knew that in my heart of hearts. This was not a performance basis termination, right? So, I mean, she said she was, she was getting rid of the position. She right. didn't need it. She, you know, she doesn't need the position any longer. So it, it was never about performance. And innately, I did feel very confident in the job that I did, right? So I knew I had done a great job. I, I walked out of there feeling sad, something. I thought I had lost everything. You know, I had lost my paycheck. I had lost my title. Mm -hmm. I had lost my team that I had built. That made me sad but I never felt like a failure. That never hit me in that regard. I just felt like everything had been pulled away from me because somebody was jealous of me. Right. And that was a really crappy feeling. Little did I know that in the end, it would be you know for the best. However, it was a very hard, that first year was incredibly hard trying to figure out what to do, how to build my own company, how to create income, how to create multiple revenue streams, how to do it on my own when I was used to having a team of a thousand people. You know, there, there were some dynamics that were challenging, but one thing I learned, I researched who has been fired when I got home after being terminated because I was interested to know. And what I ended up finding out is Oprah Winfrey has been yep, fired, Steve Jobs, you know, all those big names, Mark Cuban, um, you know, JK Rowling, like some of the most successful people, of people course. that are billionaires have all been fired. So then I decided to start seeing being fired as in good company. And I tout that as, you know, that's what, it's so funny today because people will say, you're so lucky you got fired. That's what makes you different and unique. However, there's a bazillion people who have been fired. They just don't talk about it. Right. I, what I decided to do was shine a light on something that some people see as shameful or, or afraid of. To me, I'm celebrating it because I do see it as in good company. I yeah, know that I did a great job when I was at that company and I'm proud of the work that I did. So I've kind yeah. of flipped, flipped it around a little bit. And absolutely. And, and just to clarify there, I was making just a general statement because there are people that get let go for political reasons and they're, you know, different difference of, of viewpoints within a company and then obviously performance as well. I mean, that happens in, in, in every company and it's tough either way you look at it. So I do want to go back to confidence. It's something that you, it's a foundation of, of your brand and who you are. Was, is confidence something that you've always had or is it something that you needed to, to really dig down deep to harness at, at, at specific moments? So my book, Confidence Creator, is a compilation of my lowest moments in my life and how I learned to create confidence from them and how the reader can too. And I, it's really the story, it's answering the question you just asked, which is where have I been in my life with my confidence in different arenas, whether it be personal, as a child, on teams, at work, in business, you know, there's so many different venues that you can look at for anybody in regards to their confidence in their life. And I really walk everyone through the different stories of different times where those ebbs and flows have occurred and how I learned to rebuild confidence throughout. Yeah. And you talk about that. It's not a light switch, right? It's not something you could turn on and off at any given time, but it, it takes, it's gradual and it takes momentum um, to build. Are there things that you do outside of work for your, for your mind, for your body, for your spirit to really, you know, fortify your confidence? 
Yeah. I mean, there's, I think I have 40 something chapters in my book and 40 different techniques and strategies you can implement. I mean, there's a plethora of them. It isn't just one way and, and different people have different struggles around confidence. So, you know, it's not a, okay, here's the three things you need to do. And this is going to fix you miraculously. It's really figuring out where your struggles lie. Some people's struggles lie with they're married to a villain that talks down to them and puts them down every day of their life. Okay, firing your villain is a key issue in that situation, right? You've got to figure out how can you protect yourself from that person? How can you remove that person from your life or your well-being? Some people, they're their own villain. They run a negative tape in their head where they're constantly beating themselves up. and they've got to change. prophecy. Mm-hmm. Sure, exactly. So, I mean, you have to... You have to identify what the issue is first with someone. Some people just aren't living their purpose-driven life. So meaning they're sitting at a desk, punching spreadsheets, which makes them miserable when their real passion in life is creativity or working with children, but they're not pursuing it because they're just afraid to take the chance. That's where their real issue lies with their confidence because the minute they start stepping into their superpower, they're going to start taking off. So it really, you know, there's so many different opportunities to tap into your confidence in different areas of your life. It's just about, you know, identifying these strategies and taking them on one by one until you really harness all your power. It's interesting. You talk about the, the correlation between confidence and fear. Right? We talk about fear a lot too. And I think you said, quote, the ability to understand fear in, in a new way. Let's unpack that a little bit. You know, was there a moment of, of enlightenment? Was there a moment where you really started to understand some of your fears and, and, and flip the script on it to really put your confidence forward? I don't really know. I guess getting fired, probably I was really scared. I'd only ever worked for people. Even when I was an equity partner, I was a smaller equity partner. So I was still ultimately working for someone who had a larger piece in the company than I did. I'd always worked for someone else. And that idea of working for myself felt so scary. What I want people to know is it's so much less scary working for yourself because here's what I know. In business, a company can be sold, bought, someone can drop dead tomorrow and a new leader comes in the next day. Those, pe- those changes that occur have nothing to do with you, but people might want to come in and you know, revamp, revamp the company. Maybe they're going to take it a different angle and they don't need a chief revenue officer or maybe they don't want to focus on growing revenue. They want to focus on expense cuts. You have no say in any of that, but when you work for yourself, you have every say in all that. Exactly. So I, I just, I was confused for a long time that I thought this well-lit corporate environment that I was in was so safe. And what I've learned now two years later is it's not safe at all. The safest bet for anyone is to invest in yourself, whether you work for yourself or you work for someone else, build your personal brand, build your brand equity, build your network. Mm-hmm. Network. No one can ever take that from you. Nope. And that day that I got fired, I thought I lost all those things. But it's so interesting. What I've learned is they can't take my experiences. They can't take my expertise. They can't take all the people that I know that support me, my testimonials. All of that stuff you own and you can bring that wherever you want to go. You hit on a couple of things which, which kind of get my wheel spinning and I'm kind of smirking over at you over here. The moment that I went out on my own and launched my own company, that's when my confidence shot through the roof because I was, I was doing a couple of things. I was facing a lot of fears, right? Because when you own your own business, the success and failure ultimately rest with you. You are solely responsible for it and what you put in is what you're going to get out of it, right? So if you're not doing well, you have no one to blame but yourself and you have to put all that confidence and everything into it. Um, and I think it really led to the mindset shift, right? Where, where my fears came down, where I started opening up about vulnerability and being more confident, you know, public speaking. And that's something that came 
Um, have you always been like out in the forefront, out in the camera, comfortable public speaking? Like when did that come about? So I was in sales and sales leadership since I was 20 years old. So part of my job has always been, I have to stand up and speak every day, every week. You know, there was, that was since I was a rookie sales manager when I was 20. I didn't know it at the time, but I was learning how to be a great public speaker from the time I was 20 years old. I'm 45 now. So that's 25 years that's of, of experience. experience. Right. So I didn't even know the speaking business was a business because I was in media and in media, they don't pay to bring speakers in. It was not something that they did in that industry. So I was unaware. And it's one of those, you know, epiphany moments when I found out that speaking is a multi-billion dollar industry. Lucrative. And it's something that I had been doing for over two decades and I knew how to do real well. I thought, wow, okay, now I've got to figure this out. If this is a new business, new to me, how do I access that network? How do I build a network in this mm -hmm. new space and find out the people who are hiring speakers and what do I need to do to be unique or add value in this world over here? And that took, I mean, it took about a year to refine the message to, you know, create a speaker kit, a speaker deck, a one sheet, a reel, get testimonials. Cause I hadn't, I could have done that stuff for two decades, but I didn't even know, I wasn't even aware to do it. Right. That's interesting too. So what advice would you give me? So I'm kind of starting out on this journey of public speaking. I put together a few events. I have some clips out there. I mean, I think the podcast, you know, certainly helps, but like, what advice would you give me to help accelerate that, to fast track it? What are a couple of pointers there? Okay, first of all, go to my podcast, Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan, and listen to the episode with Kendra Hall. I did, and I am asked about this every single day. I get DMs, and I can't answer them. So I, if you can't scale a solution, create a scalable <laughs> solution. So I did this for how do you write a book? That's the episode with JT McCormick. And how do you become a public speaker? That's the episode with Kendra Hall. And I only created this because people were begging me to know, I how did it. you do it in a year? And I mean, the crux of it is you need to have a speaker kit. You need to have a speaker reel. You need testimonials. You know, you need some very specific things. And then for me, one of the things that really allowed me to take off was pitching myself to bureaus. And then once you're picked up by one bureau, leveraging that first bureau to get the second, to third, to the fourth. Right, and the to momentum get with, picks up. And, and then you just keep pitching yourself till you're, you're with every bureau. And then you sign an exclusive deal. So the, so the team behind you is incentivized to pitch you and get you more engagements. Right. And the moment and the momentum builds up. And it really, you know, practice, practice, practice. And, and someone gave me the tip too. They're like, you know, obviously it takes a long time. I shouldn't say it takes a long time. It takes practice to hone your craft and have people want to pay for you, right? I mean, that's, that's the difference. You want to be able to deliver a strong message. You want to have that stage presence and you want to affect change, right? You well, want to inspire people. I think it depends on the person. There are some people that Kendra Hall is a great example. She was a salesperson, wasn't feeling fulfilled, quit her job and started a speaking career. And this woman has, she's one of the top U.S. speakers now in just I think it's three years, right? Wow. So she, everyone is different. And if you tell yourself that story that it's going to take a long time, it will take you a long time. Or you can kind of lean into, you know, hear her perspective on it, which she said, I have nothing to lose. I know I add value. I know I have a great idea. I want to bring it to light, bring it to market. So, you know, she definitely didn't hold herself back. She leaned into it full force and she blew up in a very short window of time. No, that that's awesome too. So let's talk about TEDx. I mean, what, <laughs> that's a crazy experience. And I've read a lot, like were you accepted on the first application? How did that process kind of work out for you? Yeah. Again, I was a beginner at this. I didn't know anything about TEDx and I actually had 
whenever I want to do something, I take out a Google alert on it so that I can track it and be, you know, be aware of when opportunities arise. So I took out a Google alert probably a year and a half ago on TEDx speakers wanted. And I think I applied to almost a hundred different opportunities and I was told no every single time. And I was speaking at an event in Miami and a woman from TEDx happened to be there just by randomly. And she stayed after to meet me. And she said, I need to tell you something. You need to take a TEDx stage. And I started laughing. I said, oh my gosh, I've been trying Why for you say that? <laughs> over a year. I've been told no at least a hundred times. And she said, tell me what you're pitching. And I was, I was doing it incorrectly. So I was pitching my reel and how all the press I get, and I'm a greatest speaker that is ever going to take the TEDx stage, blah, 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 all about me, me, me. And she told me and taught me in that moment. She said, that's the completely wrong approach. Here's the approach you need. She said, what you need to do is research the venue, what their theme is, number one come up with a big idea worth spreading that you can tie into their theme so it's aligned with their theme and their idea. And then once you've aligned your big idea worth spreading with their theme, target the ultimate decision maker. There's one orchestrator that's in charge of each event. You can find them very easy on right. the TED site. Research that person, find out what's important to them. They're gonna wanna sell tickets. They're gonna wanna promote their event. They want speakers that will support the sponsors. Like this is a business, right? right. These people are volunteering their time. So she's like, cater to that person, you know, and she just really laid out for me exactly what I needed to do. I did it and, and I just did my TEDx talk. That's incredible. And I cannot wait. We're going to link it. Hopefully when this episode airs, it'll be, it'll be out at that point. So let me ask you, like looking back on it, right? You know, Monday morning quarterback, is there anything that you would have done differently? I don't live my life thinking like that. What I would say is a lot of things went wrong that day. So, yeah, you know, went wrong. Well, leading up to that event, the week before, I had agreed to go away for the weekend with friends that had come into town with my son to the Keys, and I was second-guessing myself. I shouldn't be doing this. I should be staying home, practicing, not going away, but it ended up being a great idea because I had struggled with the beginning of my talk, and my girlfriend that I was on the trip with, who's a stay-at-home mom, I said, listen, let me get up and just give my talk to you and tell me what you think, and she's like, oh, I hate the beginning. Do this instead. And she gave me this great idea that I love. So it was like, oh, thank goodness I went on this trip because it totally, it changed my intro. You know, just deciding to be with my friends ended up being the answer I needed, which was so cool. And then I was out for a run on that trip too. And I got these great ideas that I ended up incorporating into my talk. And this is a week before my talk. It's funny, it's funny how life works. It's so wild. And huh. so then I had agreed, I was, I wrote the foreword for my friend's books, uh, Standing O Encore. And he had asked me to speak at his launch event in New York City, two days before my TED Talk. I had agreed to this long before my TED Talk. So I wasn't going to back out on my friend. That's just no. not how I, I don't Royalty. roll like that. So I flew to New York on Thursday and I spoke at his event. While I was speaking, someone passed out in the crowd and a domino effect occurred and oh, 12 people went down, a table went down, all what? glasses smashing everywhere. From what? And I, I wasn't sure. I was just speaking. So I thought to myself in that moment, I'm going to make a joke about this. You know, you have to be lighthearted in any situation like that. And so I made a joke that, well, clearly someone here is from TED because they say expect anything at a TED talk. And I really appreciate you all working with me to set me up for success at the TED event. So everyone was laughing. It went great. Well, fast forward, I fly home the next day. We had a TEDx sponsor event that Friday night that was mandatory for all speakers to attend. 
And the venue was an hour and a half from my home. So I didn't get home till like midnight that night. I was so tired. And I had to be back there at 8 a.m. again the next morning for a walkthrough. And when I got back there, I was just kind of tired and, and whatnot. And they said, hey, jump up on stage. And I was like this, no makeup, sweats, not really like ready to take the stage, stage or anything. Yep. Right. Which for me, there's certain things I do to get ready that put me into a zone. Of course. That's you have your unbreakable. Mm -hmm. Right. So, but when I go like this, this is really being very vulnerable and not prepared. And so I get up on the stage and he says, start giving your talk. I'll tell you when to cut. So I said, okay, great. So I just start giving my talk five minutes in my mind went blank and I forgot what I was talking about. And that's never in 45 years, I've never been on a stage and forgot been speechless. It's never happened. It's overload. And so I looked at him and said, oh my God, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. He laughed because he's just a great guy. And he was like, whatever, Heather, you're fine. Okay, you're done, you know, get down. But to him, he thought, oh, no big deal. But to me, I thought, oh my God, what if I freeze and I've never frozen oh, in no. my life and it's the biggest stage I'm ever taking because it's an infamy, you know, on Ted. So I get off the stage and a woman says to me, oh my gosh, I had a friend like you. He was in the NFL, he was a kicker, and on the day of his biggest kick of his life, he blew it. And when she said this to me, my mind went like bright fire red, and I just looked at her and I said, this is not helpful, I'm excusing myself, goodbye. <laughs> and I left the venue, and I went somewhere to be with two people that love me, that encouraged me, I put my playlists on, I had my notes out, and for one hour, I got in my zone, I got ready. I put my unbelievable dress on and I got back there and it was still a shit show there. There's a number of, of speakers who have never spoken publicly before, right? Cause it's Ted. So there's like a, a whole yeah, mix everything. of people and people were like sweating bullets and some guy was doing pushups. Like the world series of speaking, right? And people. <laughs> it's very bizarre. It's, it's not in my opinion, like a real positive energy. Usually if you're hmm. speaking at an event or a conference, you have a green room you can go to and it's quiet and it's your zone. It wasn't like that. We, there, there were no green rooms. It was people running around everywhere, sponsors dodging in and out there. It was just overwhelming and a lot of nervous people. And I was a first speaker. So I just said, you know, for the love of God, I said in my mind, Heather, if you don't walk out there right now, you'll never forgive yourself. And if you walk out there and you blow it, I'm going to be so proud of you for walking out there. And that was the last thing I remember. And then I was out there. That was it. <laughs> right. That's amazing. And, and I'm so happy to hear this too, because now when I finally watch it, when it comes out, I'll be able to think about like, here's what happened right before that moment, right? That, yeah. that energy level. And like, I, oh God, like, what was that feeling like that, that moment, right? When you were walking out on stage, like how much adrenaline was just flowing through your, your, your veins and like, that's just an incredible feeling, right? Like just that you're ready to hit it. And no, no. Oh. I, I, I'll tell you, I, um, I speak all the time, right? And I usually get so fired up. I'm so excited. But because I had had, you know, that series of really negative situations that was going on, it was a different feeling. And the feeling backstage was super, um, I don't want to say negative, stressful. It wasn't like normal. Normal speaking events are not like that. And it was just very tense. And I just remember that little conversation I had in my head. That's really all I remember. I let go of everything else. I just was ignoring everything else and shutting it out. And I just thought to myself, me with me, if you walk out there and you take that circle, I'm always going to be proud of you no matter what. And that's really all I remember. And then I just walked out and 
the next thing you know, I was giving my talk. And then it was so crazy because I did really well. I mean, I don't know, because I'm in the fishbowl. I haven't seen it, right? I'm on the circle. I'm feeling strong and really good about the talk I gave, but I did not get a standing ovation. And I usually get a standing ovation when I speak. Hmm. So I was a little taken aback by that when I walked off the stage. And now I just have to wait until the video comes out, which is so crazy that oh you don't get to see it for, you know, for weeks. It's frustrating. Did they, did they give you an idea when it's going to be out? Yeah, I was told on Friday that they think it'll be out the first week of December. Cool. Yeah, so this podcast will probably air after that. We'll make sure we link it all to there. We'll do a little a little recap on that. So let's just shift gears a little bit and talk about podcasting, something that you jumped into, um, you know, in May. What what is the purpose of your show? My show, the purpose of it is one to allow people to come along the journey with me because people always want to know behind the scenes on how did you get booked on Gary Vee's show? How did you land on on Steve Harvey's show? How did you write a book? Everyone wants to know how I do things. So the first 10 minutes of my show each week is telling them, like this week I was talking about how I'm getting press for my mm -hmm. TEDx, right? That someone's got to pitch that, it's me. So I tell people how I accomplish things in my life. Then I, I interview someone, a really high caliber person to share how they overcome their adversity, how they create confidence and how they build their success in their unique way. Love and it. then I, I wrap the show up with each week I answer questions, listener questions that people DM me on LinkedIn, Insta, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. And I answer those questions each week. So, you know, I'm trying to give my listeners what it is that they want to hear about. I like that because it's ultimately about adding value, right? It's that combination of entertaining, informing and adding value, bring it all together. I like that you're doing the question thing. I think that's something I may borrow from you uh, now that my show is picking up some steam as, as well too. What challenges are you finding with podcasting? Well, I travel so much for it because I really believe mm -hmm. in the power of face-to-face -face interviews. So I, I was in LA last week, Irvine, San Diego, Newport Beach. You know, I try to knock out, if I'm going to one region, I want to knock out all of those key Smart. people that I want to interview. So I ended up recording, I think, six shows last week. And then, you know, it's, it's just a lot of travel. The week before I was in New York recording shows and I have to... Well, I don't have to, but I try to, you know, really maximize my time there and interview as many people that I'm trying to, you know, catch up with. So I've got a lot of shows now in the pipeline, a lot of interview portions done. And, you know, it's about figuring out who's that next right guest. And at the same right. time, simultaneously, you know, I'm always DMing people. I'm, you know, I was reaching out to Ed Milet last week. Ed, I'm coming back to LA. I want to interview you when I come back. You'd add so much value to my audience. I'll be so grateful. You know, so it's always trying to, not only execute on the work and get things done, travel to go make it happen and then build that future pipeline up for those next guests you're trying to land. You hit on something interesting too. And it's the same thing. Like I reached out to, to you because I've been following you and, I'm, and I love your success. And I'm like, Heather, I got to have you on the show. And I've reached out to a lot of people too that like at certain points, they're like, I don't have the time or they don't feel like they have the caliber on the show. And that's persistence. And it's showing them your success, showing them that you're building up, showing them that you're putting a quality product out there. And it takes time. Like don't, just take no for an answer. And something you talked about recently was not being afraid to ask, right? And, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that how you got on Gary's show? Did you just ask him or you kept asking him? Let's talk about that for a moment. Sure. So I, well, first I got Gary on my show. And yes. the way I did that was back in 2015, I believe is the first time I DM'd him. I've been DMing him for years and he has responded to me a number of times. So we've had some dialogue, you know, but never could I nail him down to a date right. of when we could meet or work together Tough or whatever. One. 
but there was a dialogue. There was a history there, you know, so that did not happen overnight. It started in 15 and now here we are in 19. It takes time. And so when I knew I was going to launch the show with podcast one, I thought to myself, I need the biggest guest I can get for my first guest to show the world. I'm super serious. Got to come out of the gate and strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go big or go home. And so I, he was my number one target and I Googled him because I wasn't getting anywhere on the DMs. And I saw that he had just launched a new company called Empathy Wines and yep. that his partner's name was John Troutman. Trouty. So I Googled Trouty because I figured it's easier to get to the partner versus get to Gary. And Trouty I was hired right. me. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a good guy. Yeah. And so I got to Trouty through DM on LinkedIn and we got on a phone call together and I said, listen, my background is the wine business. I grew up in Gala Wines. I've been an equity partner. I've generated hundreds of millions of dollars in my career, if not millions. I know how to move cases of wine. Let's talk through how I can help you. So that, that's how that conversation right. started was how I can bring value to him of in course. the wine business and help him move wine. Then it turned out to, I said, Trouty, is there any way you can help me to get Gary on my show? And he said, I'll talk to him. But you know, like, how can we separate you? I said, you tell me how many cases of wine I need to move and I'm going to do it. Tell Gary I'm committed to that, but I just need 30 minutes of his time. Well, Gary ended up giving me an hour, which was so gracious awesome. of him. And then in the end of my show, I pitched Gary. I said, Gary, I'd love the opportunity to bring my message to your audience. I think it can add value because no one talks about getting fired. I'm certain people in your audience have been fired or will be fired. And I'd like to set them up for success. Would you be willing to have me on as a guest? And he said, yes. And so then from there, it was following up with his assistant, Tyler, and staying in touch with Trouty because Gary's so Takes hard work. to get to, you know? So that took six months. And I just went on that show uh, two weeks ago. That's awesome. And it was a great episode. You know, it's a little bit like Gary, you know, you, you and I kind of joked about it too. You know, you kind of have to let Gary run his course, but I think you were awesome on that show. And it's, it's opening you up to his, his audience as well, which is absolutely incredible. Um, so shifting gears for a little bit, let's talk about, you know, balancing this incredible journey you've been on. Um, may I ask, how, how old is your son? 12. 12. Wow. That's, that's an interesting age too. Like he really understands and, and sees what you're doing and you're, you're make you're an incredible um, example for him. And I, and I, and I applaud you for that. He's seeing, you know, his mom do something awesome right now. And that's, and that's incredible. I have a seven-year-old daughter. I have a 15 month old son. And, you know, for me, it's like, I want to lead by example. I want them to look back and see that their dad, you know, persevered. He worked hard, you know, he did things right. So kudos on that. So how do you balance all this travel and building a business and building this empire and building a brand with, with being an awesome mother? How do you do it all? Well, so I got divorced when my son was one year old, right? So 11 years ago. So my son and I, I share a custody with my ex-husband who lives in Miami. He takes him three nights a week and I have him four. And so for me, it's always been this way. For my old job in corporate America, I traveled every single week, right? So it's really not different from a travel scheduling angle it's really the same thing it's just i work for me now which i'm much more proud of and i you know i make better decisions than the person that i used to work for so that part's better but for my son he's seen his mom crying on the couch when she got fired he's seen my panic of i don't know where income's gonna he's had some really awful moments with this and some really positive ones like when the book came out and did so well and or when i got a you know a huge speaking engagement he's seen those wins but he's also seen the really negatives, you know? So it's interesting. I question a lot myself that I'm proud that I'm here, but there's definitely some dings on that, that kid's taken, you know, it's not 
when you when you have a single mom, it's he worries a lot about me because he yeah. is getting a little bit older. So there's pros Protective. and cons. There's pros and cons. When I was in corporate America, he didn't worry about me because you know I just felt safe all the time and that everything was all set. So it's different. But he certainly is very proud, and and he also knows that he wants to work for himself now. He, I love it. you know, he definitely he's clear on that already. <laughs> that's that's awesome. So let's let's bring it home here, and some questions that I ask every guest. I love different perspectives on this. What does the word authentic, authenticity, mean to you, Heather? I mean, sharing your warts and all, your flaws and all. That the fact that yeah, I think I'm a good mom, but I don't do it all right. I've seen my kids suffer too because I have been very real, and I don't know if that's the right answer. You know, so being authentic is just showing up as you, whether it if we know it's right or wrong, but you know, just owning it. I love it. That's awesome. What is the single greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on daily? I, I mean, I have my, my two greatest quotes, I guess I would say that I live by Steve Jobs about con you can only connect the dots. You know, when you're looking backwards, I try to think about that every day because sometimes we feel frozen to move forward and we don't know what's going to happen. And this door just closed and we want to cry about that. And we're so upset only to find out in the future, thank God that door closed because another one yeah. opened up or that was a crappy deal and I should have never yep. even been considering it, right? So I try to think of his quote about connecting the dots every day. Uh, the other one is my one of my mentors back in the radio business said to me, there's always gonna be another deal, there'll always be another partnership, another opportunity, another guy. You know, Desperate is unattractive. When you come at things as, all right, that deal's not for me, I don't need it, I can walk from this, that's when opportunity starts presenting itself instead of hanging on so desperately to something, feeling like that's the only thing it's ever going to be. And, and that's a real mind shift that I think everyone needs to employ that, Big one. yeah, it's, it, it's great to, you know, see special opportunities, but they're not the only ones that are ever going to be there. So don't get too hung up on it. Yeah, and that's a real critical piece of advice too, especially when you're, you're your own business owner, right? And you're responsible for that. That's a big one, a big one for anybody. And, and to date, to date right now, what would you say is your greatest professional accomplishment? I would say my book with beyond a doubt, because my own family, a couple of people in my family didn't want me to put it out. A lot of people came at me with, really? you're going to be sued or it's going to fail. Why would you think you could be an author? You've never written anything. You know, there was all of this self doubt that was being fed to me that in the end I ended up rejecting and moving forward, you know, regardless of it. And I'm so proud of myself that I did because I get DMs every single day from people saying my book has changed their life and it's the most purpose-driven you know, business work I've ever, I've ever done. So I'm super proud of it. I love it. And, you know, Heather, not, not every day is sunshine and rainbows. I mean, we just talked a lot about the ups and downs here. So, you know, when things are not going well, when you're having a rough day, a rough month, things aren't going in your direction and, and you need to look up, you need to pull yourself up. And on the flip side of that, when things are going amazing, the book, the TEDx, the interviews, life is going in the right direction. What do you look to for gratitude? What do you look to to pull yourself up? What is your North Star? Oh, definitely my son, without a doubt. You know, every morning we talk about what we're grateful for on the way to school. And he's the funniest human being I've ever met in my life. And I'm so proud of him. And I like watching, he started football for the first time this year as a rookie. And I was so nervous. It's so dangerous. But what I learned was stepping into the unknown creates confidence. It didn't matter if he was the best player out there. He was so much more confident at the end of the season because he went out there and tried something new. And I'm always learning and, and reminded about these life lessons through watching him. 
That's, that's incredible. Heather, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me on. And in closing thoughts here, confidence, something those who have it take for granted, but for most, it doesn't come naturally or at all, or not without work and lots of that work. There are very, very few overnight successes. And in most cases, it was pure luck. But real success comes from day in and day out work, paying your dues, learning and growing, and most importantly, making mistakes and building upon them. I believe it was Einstein who said, failure is success in progress. One of my favorite quotes. I've been living this one. And I think Heather would agree with that 100%. Failure and mistakes build calluses. Calluses make you stronger and thicken your skin to absorb every punch thrown in your direction and be able to punch back twice as hard. And ducking, that's what builds confidence. And confidence breeds success. Own your losses, learn from them, and watch opportunity grow and prosper. I truly love Heather's story and watching from afar and now close at her success. It's awesome. And I hope that you and I can continue to build our relationship, find synergies, and find opportunities to work together in the future. Heather, thank you for joining us today. Where could folks connect with you? Where could they find you? Where could they listen to you? Where could they read about you? Where could they hear you talk? Where could they find Heather? Sure. My website is heathermonahan.com and you can get it all there. My podcast is Creating Confidence at Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcast. My book is called Confidence Creator. It's on Amazon as well as Audible and I narrate it and I'm on every social platform at Heather Monahan. That's incredible. And I will link everybody to this. Heather, I greatly appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Awesome. And to everyone listening, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Please be sure to click subscribe, link, comment, share, all that kind of good stuff, and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. And remember, take your online, offline people. Thank you. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode, jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com.